Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, Connor. And I got something a little different for you guys today. So for anybody that's checked out my channel before, you guys know I like to do just kind of single topic or multi-topic kind of deep dives into subjects. And this video today is not going to be that. This is a little bit more personal. Generally speaking, kind of I, my YouTube channel has been around for maybe about a month now. What I like to do is just put out a full episode and maybe a couple clips from the episode, and I'm switching that up. So I might still continue to do that, but this is something different. So let's just get into it. If you'd like a little bit more context about Bosnia and just about the conditions that this man, who we're going to call Jay... <laughs> oh my god, I'm even... You know, you can say, Connor, you sound kind of scared even giving this guy an initial... And from what I'm about to tell you, maybe you'll understand why. So this man, Jay, was from Bosnia. And let's, let's just tell the story as it unfolded. So the year's about 2005. I'm in San Francisco where I'm born and raised. I'm working a really shitty job. Well, you know, I'm not going to say it's a shitty job, but it definitely wasn't a great job. So I did customer service at the Metreon, which... I wasn't, the last time I was in the city, I was not checking for it. It could still be there. Somebody could have burned the fucking place. I might be okay with that if they did, as long as nobody was in it. But, so for those of us that are not from San Francisco, never been or anything, this is a place that's, it's essentially a big mall and a movie theater. It's located smack downtown. It's fourth and mission. So that's where pretty much everything is going on in the city. That's where the financial center is. That's where a lot of money is being made. That's where a lot of money is being spent. There's a huge shopping center right across the street. This job that we're talking about, like I said, I don't, I don't look back on it fondly. Most of my coworkers disliked me, I felt like. I definitely disliked most of them. I don't think I hit it very well. Um, I was a fucking asshole at this time. So I was, I was a dick supreme, or at least I felt like I was. I, I knew I was a nice guy at heart, but just my experiences in life and the things I collected along the way and the ways I'd had to acclimate myself for various things, I lost sight of that and I lost touch with that. But I'm a nice guy at heart, or I try to be. At this point, I was an asshole. <laughs> and for whatever reason, I decided to be nice really to the absolute worst person I could be. So this building saw tens of thousands of people, possibly daily. Like, like I said, this is in a San Francisco is an incredibly congested, tightly packed, very populous place in a very small area. So you're talking about a city that's 49 square miles and has close to 900,000 people that live there. Not even including all the tourists, not even including all the people commuting. There's 900,000, give or take, full-time residents of the city, give or take. That's a lot of people in a small place. So I worked at the, the eye of this storm for like almost two years. At some point during this time, I was minding my business one day, and a guy approached me. He was like kind of like my height, about six foot or so, super duper skinny, very like pointy features. So like big chin, kind of a big nose, pointy nose, big bushy eyebrows, like slick back hair. He was wearing like some khakis, kind of like an old dude outfit, even though he wasn't old. He might have been about like late 30s or 40s, but he was dressed like an old dude, like khakis, white shoes windbreaker t-shirt with a backpack and he just walked up to me hey my friend and just like shook my hand now um this man jay as stated is from bosnia i'm not going to attempt to do his accent to me that's that's fucked up <laughs> like i think uh the only way that that's going to come off is mockery so you know i'll just i'll talk normal 
but you'll know it's him. You know it's him speaking. And he just walked up to me. I didn't know who he was. I, I never. I thought I'd never seen him before. I wasn't really sure. I saw so many people at that time that I could have had some interaction with him and just didn't remember. That's super duper possible. So he just walked, hey, my friend. Hey, what's up, man? I shook his hand and I just kept it pushing. Maybe a couple days later, hey, my friend, start talking to me, which is cool. Like, like I said, even though I'm an asshole, I still want to talk to people. Like I still, at this time, I would go out, I would get drunk like pretty much every weekend. And it's not like I was out here trying to bang strippers or, you know, sniffing cocaine or anything like that. I was going out and just talking to people. Like, I was in such a closed-off place in myself that the way I would fucking go and unwind is go have, like, six to eight drinks and just talk to strangers. Like, that that's what I was doing at the time. So I still wanted that connection, even if everything externally that I was putting out at that time said the opposite. I still, and which is some, some fucking confusing shit, because if someone's acting like they don't want to talk to you and they really do, just don't fucking talk to them. That's, take it from me as a guy who used to be that person. Fuck them. Like, you're, you're kind of better off without them. So time goes on, and we talk about stuff. We talk about a lot of different stuff. Now, mind you, I felt like when I was living through this time, like I said, I was very angry, alienated, just felt ostracized, felt like I never fit in. I had never fit in to anywhere by that point, and I was, I was wearing all that. If you guys remember the mid-2000s, at least in my mind, it was a real douchebag time. <laughs> you think about the music, something something me and my girlfriend have been goofing on lately, uh, Pussycat Dolls, don't ya? That is pretty fucking just, I don't even know what the word you would say, all encapsulating. Like, if you want to know what the living in the mid-2000s was like, it was shit like that. And as a little, like, 21, 22-year-old kid, people kind of expected me to kind of want to go do the dumb shit, but they didn't know I was already doing dumb shit at, like, 13 to 15 to 16 years old. Like, I was already a straight idiot for a while. I'd done a lot of reckless shit. I'd already got my party on. It wasn't, like, the kind of shit that people were doing at that time that was so, like, amazing to them, like, going to fucking Ruby Sky, going to the club. I couldn't give two fucks about it. I just wanted to like talk and build my knowledge and talk about politics, talk about the world, learn more, learn more about places. And this dude, Jay, he was a guy that um, I could have those conversations with. I, and, you know, even though obviously he was a little eccentric, I, I kind of just took that as he had, you know, he'd been in America for a few years by that point. He was still getting it figured out. When you see people move from one part of America to another, a lot of times they're maladjusted. Shit, even people living in the same place their whole life, sometimes they can't get out of their own shell. Sometimes there's some awkwardness. Sometimes there's some shyness. And I got that from him. And I was like, well, maybe it's just like English is in his first language. I'm not trying to denigrate the guy and say he's weird because he's foreign. That's fucking stupid. My dad was foreign. <laughs> like, uh, I grew up around all kinds of people from everywhere. So I'm, I'm not, if it sounds like that, my fault, but that is not the intention. It's just more like if he wasn't acting like an American, what we would see as quote unquote normal, it's understandable because he's not. So these conversations continue to go on and I would see him more frequently. Then one day he kind of hit me with a non sequitur. So one day he just comes up to me. He's like, Hey Connor, how's it going? And you know, I'm chilling, man. I'm doing pretty good hey, did you see that new Batman movie? So this was the first, this was the first Batman movie with Christian Bale playing Batman. So I guess that came out sometime around this time, about 2004 to 2005, something like that. 
And he'd asked me if I'd seen it. I'd say, yeah, I saw it. Because this place had a movie theater in it. I went and checked it out. I thought it was cool. I liked the training sequences they did. I thought I thought it was a pretty good movie. I'm not really a like comic book movie guy. I'm not shitting on them and saying there's something wrong with them. But most times out of not, that's not what I'm checking out. And I liked it. I liked it. I thought it was I thought it was a dope movie. So we were talking about it, and he said, "What do you think about ninjas?" And you know, I've been I've been asked a lot of shit in my life, but nobody's just ever just stepped to me like, "Hey, what's up, dude? What's cracking with ninjas, though?" Like that's something. To be honest, that's kind of the conversation I'm always willing to have. Like if somebody just steps to me like, "Hey, man, fuck all the pretense, fuck all the bollocks, fuck all this other shit. Let's talk about something crazy." I'm kind of down. So he hit me with this shit. He asked me what I thought about ninjas. When I think of traditional historical ninjas, you know, it's, it's the people that are coming from, they weren't even called ninjas at first, I believe. I think they were called Ige Man. So these are people coming from Ige Prefecture in Japan. They were poor people. We look at samurais as being some kind of upholders of this, of this. Samurais were the upholders of a economic system that forced people to work and took all their resources from them. That's what samurais did. I'm not saying that ninjas had any kind of altruistic motive for fighting against this, because they didn't, because they were equal opportunity killers, basically. they kill anybody if you paid them enough. If I'm going to choose between samurai and ninja, I'm going with the people and the people's weapons at all times. That's just me. The samurai can go get fucked. I'm going for the, <laughs> going for the ninjas when it comes to historical analysis. And I kind of said all that to Mr. J. I said all that, like, ah, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. When they were around, they were whatever. And I think I got interrupted or something, and he dipped. He was out of there. I, You know, I didn't think anything of the conversation. Like, at this point in my life, like I said, these are the conversations I actually kind of look forward to having is when someone just wants to talk about some shit. So I didn't think anything of it. Time goes by. I'm going to say a couple weeks go by. Me and him are talking about something. He hits me with another non-sequitur question. He says, how do you think Iran got their nuclear weapons? I said, uh, I don't know, my man. But if I did know, I'm sure that piece of information would make me a lot of money. I'm sure there's a lot of people that would love that information. And for you guys that don't know what I'm talking about, at this time, I mean, this is before Barack Obama was president. So he cut a deal with Iran, the leaders of Iran, to just eliminate production of certain nuclear materials. This is still the presidency of George W. Bush. He's talking about Iran's and the axis of evil and all this other stuff. So working together isn't happening at this point. And it's believed that Iran was producing nuclear material and also the missiles capable of carrying it to places around this time. So he asked me, how do you think Iran got their nuclear weapons? I said what I said. And he said, I gave them to them. And I started laughing. I was like, ha, 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 whatever, just, you know. He's clowning. He's just joking around. And I looked over at him, and he was serious. Like, he was 100% serious. And not only was he 100% serious, he was 100% proud of giving them their information to create nuclear weapons. So the first thing that popped in my mind was, oh, man. Jay's been crazy this whole time. Like, I've known this dude, like, six months by this point. And it's only just now I'm finding out he's out of his fucking mind. Little did I know how out of his fucking mind he actually was. And this is when he would show me. So he told me, he told me this is how Iran got their nuclear weapons. He was living in Bosnia. He had to leave. He says it's 1991. 
the problem with this and the fact that he told me this anyway, this is already the red flag. Something's wrong with the man. He didn't have to tell me anything more for me to know that something was up. But he did anyway. So, fuck. And it's just, just even thinking about this is, is some shit. But he told me that in 1991 he was living in Bosnia. And the war broke out. The war actually broke out in Bosnia itself. It broke out in 1992. So for those of you guys who didn't watch the episode this week, the Yugoslav wars weren't just like one war. It was a bunch of different wars going on kind of all at the same time. So in Bosnia, there was a conflict at different times. And some of these conflicts were happening all at the same time. There was a conflict between the Bosniaks. So that would be predominantly Muslim Slavs in Bosnia fighting against Serbs, because there's a huge Serb population in Bosnia. The Serbs were fighting the Croats in Bosnia, and the Croats were fighting the Bosniaks as well. So all of this is going on. He said that he talked to George H.W. Bush, so not George W., but his father, the first Bush that was president, he talked to him through the television. They had a conversation through the television. He said, I need help. I need help, I need help, I need help. you got to help us out here. And the main thing he said was, George H.W. Bush showed me respect. He respected me. I guess things changed the next year. So the next year is when the war in Bosnia kicked off. So 1992, it, it went to hell. It went to hell. You guys can listen to the episode to get the full details on that. It went to hell. This man was there during this time. He then says he leaves. He leaves because he was, quote-unquote, involved in politics and moves to the United Arab Emirates. So he moves to the UAE and gets involved in politics there. He said they spoke to Bill Clinton once again through the television, and Bill Clinton disrespected him. Bill Clinton disrespected him. Bill Clinton would not aid Bosnia against the Serbs and the Croats. Thus, Mr. J was forced to resort to drastic measures. This is when he introduced the ninjas. So when we talked about ninjas before, I thought he was talking about theoretical ninjas from previous times. He was talking about the ninjas that are alive now and under his personal control. He said the ninjas, you can never see them and they fly through the air. Now you guys can't see this, but I am uh, pantomiming uh, a gun motion with my hand. I believe those might have been the ninjas he was talking about, but he said that he had ninjas under his control. These ninjas stole nuclear secrets from America and in turn pass them off to Iran. When America found out about this, when Bill Clinton, who disrespected him on the TV screen, and the CIA found out about this, they actually approached this man, Mr. J, and said, we're going to sign a peace deal with you. So he claims credit for the 1995 Dayton Accords that just ended everything, and he said, this was a result of me giving nuclear secrets to Iran. Mind you, you might be asking now, Let's just say all of this, let's just say all of this actually happened. 100% this, this occurred. All of the things that he's discussing, there's secret TV communication software like TV Skype that existed way before we didn't know about that. He has ninjas. Iran is uh, accepting his control of the ninjas and partnered with them. You know, let's just all take it at face value and say it is what it is. Why in the fuck would anybody in America clear this man to move here? The Ninja Master. Why would they do it? Well, Mr. J had an answer for that as well. He said because he was so powerful and his control of the ninjas was so complete that the CIA had to recognize his power. 
They knew that not letting him move here would just make everything worse. A nuke would go off here. So they let him move here, but then they prevented him from ever getting a job that paid more than $9 an hour, despite the fact that George W. Bush is a personal friend and he has them listed on his resume as a reference. And, you know, when he, that, that last one, having, having George Bush listed as your reference, he told me, he was like, what's wrong with these crazy people? Like, they don't know that I know the president? What's wrong with Everybody knows I know the president. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. So that whole conversation happened in, like, ten minutes. So I was just standing at the counter of the store I was working. I think I was at the band, like, Bandai, like, uh, like, anime store. I was standing there just fucking floored. Like, just like, my God, like, this is, this is awful. And then he just like, all right, man, I'll see you later. And he fucked off. So the way I think I might have stated this already in just this brief episode, I got fired from this job before I could get laid off. So like, I think I did a no call, no show like a week before I was supposed to get laid off anyway. I was going to be getting like uh, unemployment and stuff. I just no call, no showed. I was in a real, real bad place at that point and just didn't care and got myself fired. But prior to that, I saw this man every day. So every day after that, he would come in, he would come talk to me about the ninjas, he would come talk to me about politics, he, t- he would tell me I needed to get in contact with the Irish uh, president, which my family's Northern Irish, so I guess I would have to get in contact with fucking the British Prime Minister, and that's not happening. But um, he was like, you need to get in contact with the, with the Irish president so we can strengthen relations between Ireland and Bosnia. I had an Indian co-worker who was from, um, I think she was from Calcutta. Uh, shout out to her, P, you know who you are. Uh, shout out. But he told her the same thing, like, you need to get in contact. Bosnia and India really need to work together. And I had a friend that this, this just shows you how fucking small of the city San Francisco is. I had a friend that was from Russia. Still, I mean, he's still a cool guy. His name's A. Shout out to him. Cool ass dude. He had a class with Mr. J. And Mr. J, while omitting all the details about the ninjas and everything, did tell him, you need to get in contact with Vladimir Putin. You need to do this, 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 and the third. You know, Russia and Bosnia need to work together. And, I mean, luckily for A, this guy didn't stalk him. But he stalked me. So, like I said, every day... Every day for, I don't know if that was a year, I don't know if it was a little longer than that, I he would pop up and start talking to me. And if you're like, Connor, that's not stalking. Okay, that's only half the story. If he couldn't talk to me, he would sit on a bench and watch me. And just watch. And just sit there and stare at me uh, very angrily. Just super angrily just staring. Staring, staring, just staring a hole through me until whoever I was helping out or whoever I was talking to, and I would be fucking acting like I couldn't see him, but whatever, you know, if I was doing something and that person left, he'd come over, talk to me about the ninjas, talk to me about the usual shit, go about his business. If he couldn't, he would just stare at me, and if he just waited too long, sometimes he'd end up staring at me for 20 or 30 minutes at a time before he'd just say, fuck it, I gotta get out of here. He lived in the Tenderloin, like maybe four or so blocks away from where I worked, so at that time, Anywhere I was downtown, and it happened multiple times. Like, there used to be Virgin Records store, which was like a big, like, mega store, like, a couple stories. Like I said, this is one of the most populated, congested, cramped, people everywhere parts of the city. I'm in Virgin Records on just a random, I didn't even go to work. I wasn't down there for that. 
I turned around, he was standing right next to me. Hey, my friend, how's it going? That shit happened a few times down there. And I said, you know what, if this guy feels like I'm disrespecting him, him and quote-unquote the ninjas, once again, pantomiming a certain motion, they're going to pop up at my house, without a doubt. If he feels like I'm doing this, that, and the third to him, if I'm not treating him with the respect that's due to a diplomat or whatever the fuck he thought he was, hopefully he's gotten some help in the meantime. But that's what it was. Every day I was there, I would get uh, watched, I'd get approached, he'd have conversations against my will, I didn't want to fucking talk to him. After I heard the, the ninja shit the first time, I was like, I can't, I can't do this one. But I know if I say the wrong thing, I can die. Like, my life could end because this person maybe thinks I'm this, 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 or I've just done this, or I've reminded him of something. He told me where he was from. I looked up the town of where he's from, and at one point, there was a big massacre there. I wonder if he witnessed it. I wonder if he, he lost people. There was big shelling. I believe the uh, the Bosnian Serb volunteers shelled. It was either them or the, the Yugoslav National Army just shelled his town. And close to 100 people, if not more, were killed. If he witnessed that, I can understand why he was the way he was. But in addition to him being the way he was, every conversation I would have with him that lasted more than maybe five minutes, the Bosnian genocide would be included in that conversation. If you think about Mr. J's conversational flow, let's just picture a big spider web. In the center of that spider web is the Bosnian genocide. And everything else all leads back to there. It doesn't matter what he's talking about. It doesn't matter if it's unrelated to you. It's related to him. That leads me to believe that either he had these issues in him already and perhaps seeing what he saw, maybe it brought it out or maybe it caused, you know, what happened to him. He was incredibly paranoid. Like I said, his stealth skills were amazing. I'm not a, I'm not an easy guy to run down on. Not that I'm like some ninja or something. Well, definitely not a ninja like the ninjas he has. But like, I'm not, I'm used to having to maneuver and stay safe. So I, being a little broke ass little kid, we didn't have a car for maybe the first like 14 years of my life, maybe 13 years of my life. And my mom was working and my dad was either drunk or not in the house anymore. So if I was going anywhere, I was getting there on foot. So I've had to learn to maneuver growing up and maybe not the, the safest place to be, how to just get around. This guy was able to nullify all that and just pop up on me. And the combination of the two, the combination of the stealth and the total like debilitating mental illness, I had to play this charade. I had to, I guess I could have gone to the police in retrospect. That wasn't my play at the time. Like at, at that time, I kind of fancied myself like a little tough guy. Like, oh, I was a little badass, and I was, I was down to swing on people, and I was down to do this and that. And I didn't have any of that energy for, for Jay, I'll say that, right off top. Like, at the most self-deluded, pro-violence, pro-anger, pro-stupidity point in my life, if I was going to do all that to somebody, if, hey, I'll, I'll light him up, I'll do this, I'll do this, man, I got, I got a one, two, three for him. Like, all this bullshit I was saying to myself and other people at the time, I could have did that to him. I had multiple opportunities to do so, and I understood how at threat my life was, or I felt like my life was was greatly at threat. Even just telling them, like, "Hey, man, I'm at work right now, dude. I can't be, I can't be talking about this crazy shit with you. Like, let's 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 talk later or something, or I'll catch you on the flip side." I couldn't even do that. So every time I talked to this person, I felt like I was risking life and death. 
So if people want to know what it feels like to be stalked, that's what it is. That's what happened to me. It only stopped when I got fired and I never saw the guy again. I will say I looked him up to make, I, you know, he's one of those guys where there's a couple of dudes where I'm like, man, I think that dude's going to end up in the news at some point. Mr. J is one of them. Hopefully not. Hopefully he got some help. Hopefully he tapped into some resources or a greater community or found somebody that could help him. I sure as fuck wasn't in the place to do so at that time. Fuck, I don't need, I don't know what I got for somebody like that now. But I might be able to understand where they're at and put myself in their shoes a little bit. But yeah, guys, that's the story of how a survivor of the Bosnian War stalked me for about a year. I got more. I got more stories. I even got stalked at that job a different time. <laughs> so we can talk about that later. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this. And you guys have an amazing week. Thank you.